Dude, are you sleeping or are you are you praying? What you gotta wake up, man. I don't even know what to say to you sometimes. Episode number three. <laughs> Episode three. Welcome we back. Are. Some alarm just went off. Did that mean I just scored a point? <laughs> that was isn't that? Didn't we decide that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it did. That we needed the bell last episode. Yeah, when like the something dings or a bell rings, that's like point for FB. I literally had a text reminder set from last week to send someone a text right now, and we I totally forgot about it, and it just went off. It's a sign from God. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now I'll forget to send the text though because it's gonna be like twenty minutes from now. Oh well, welcome back, episode three. Episode three. Here we go. The world is more chaotic since episode two, and people are more confused and more anxious, and yes, all the above. But we do have Morgan Rogers in the room, so that's right, Morgan, who is our graphic designer, and that's right, phenomenal artist. We just got to get her to start painting things for our gala. When is the gala again? I keep telling people the wrong date. January twenty third. That's kind of a like shameless plug. That is. Yeah. Yes, we will have a school gala, but we also have a silent auction coming up uh, November 27th through December 5th, where if you're looking for any good Christmas items, we got a lot of cool stuff um, that you can buy for Christmas and support our parish and school. Yeah, no kidding. We've got a great school too. I'm like, I was telling somebody, every time I like hear about our school kids, I'm like, I feel so just kind of robbed by the education I had as a kid. Like our school kids come over and I'm, what are you, what are you reading right now in class? And the, the things that they're doing is just so impressive. It's so different from what I got when I was a kid. Well, that was when I took this job, it was all of a sudden it was like, Oh, I'm working for the Catholic church and also the Catholic school. But I went to all like you, all public schools growing up. My high school, was just under 4,000 kids, you know, so I'm not, I'm I mean, definitely not used to the school size and the education. And yeah, when you walk around and everyone's speaking Latin, right. I'm like, my high school barely knew English. Like, it was just <laughs> a sports and, you know, standard public education in California. Yeah, no, mine, mine was the same way. I, as I always say, you know, my uh, first Catholic school is a seminary. And I mean, the University of Colorado you know, you see the elite. You see is a pretty Catholic, <laughs> That's right. Catholic place here. <laughs> I always laugh. They call me. Do they call you? So the business school calls me and asks for donations. That's right. And I just kind of laugh. I'm like, <laughs> you guys just received an eight billion dollar donation from whoever to build a new building, and I just kind of laugh. Yeah, you have to. And, and then I'm like, do I tell them I'm a Catholic priest? You probably should. They call and they say. Hi, Brian. Um, and I'm just tempted to say, it's Father Brian. Well, then what they'll do is I'll put that in their notes, and they're, if they're doing it right, in their little CRM system, mm, and CRM. you'll forever be noted, priest. Priest. Bet those phone calls come way less. Priest, <laughs> yes. People in Boulder, they're, they love calling priests. They just know that's not, not a high likelihood of a big donation coming out of that one. So you'll get probably backburnered. Unless they're struggling with something in life. That's true. That hasn't like, happened yet. Well, I'm struggling with something in life Ooh, right nice. now. 
That sounds to me like a segue. That is. That's a nice segue. That is. That is. I'm well going done. from UC uh, University of Colorado, a Boulder, to a question I have for you, which has to do with. So I've been trying to avoid reading the news outlets, but uh, I was on there the other day and I was watching something that basically Pope Francis apparently met with, or not met with, called Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. President-elect and well some people would say you can't say president-elect yet that's right so regardless of where you stand on that uh, apparently the Pope called Joe Biden really have no idea what they discussed but then this also falls into the category of the the letter that the bishops and you can clarify a lot of this but the bishop sent uh, sent out kind of congratulating Joe Biden. And they mm-hmm. actually referenced him being the first Catholic president since uh, JFK. And my question for you, though, is I feel like we spent so much time and kind of just being the new guy trying to wrap my head around um, the power and kind of the issues around abortion and Joe Biden's stance and Kamala's stance and her allegiance to Planned Parenthood and all this kind of stuff. It seemed like it was pretty obvious that that was a really big issue politically. You might say that. And now I'm more confused than ever, though. When you get a when you hear the headlines saying, you know, the Pope's calling to congratulate, and you've got the bishops applauding him and applauding his Catholicism. Uh, I don't really understand it. I feel like he should not be receiving those phone calls. And instead, if there is a phone call, hopefully it's more, hey, uh, congratulations, but you're a little off on a few things that we need to discuss. That's kind of the way you call me. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Like that thing you did to me today. That's right. (laughs) That was horrific. Yeah, I just, backstory there, I had to, I've been, begging father brian to call somebody for a little while and he, it just wasn't happening so you've been making passive aggressive comments for that's right every time you walk by me and right. so today i just decided to dial the person let it start to ring you said what's that and i threw the phone at you literally my cell phone threw it at you and you were for he answered you were forced to have a conversation <laughs> it was so that was so bad yeah i it's amazing that you still work here. You're, yeah, that's right. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> you hired me. I, I do hate phone calls. I don't I don't know if anybody else out there is like that. I'm sure you all are. I don't know why, but I have this irrational like fear of phone calls. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting topic. You know, the uh, bishops and Pope Francis interacting with Joe Biden uh, and uh, – what do you think people were feeling with that? I think more confused than ever. I like when I read it for myself, I get caught in between and I I every time I do not land in the middle. I'm either they need to the pope and the bishops need to make a public stance against Joe Biden mm. and basically eliminate him from like Catholicism unless he changes his stance. Right. And or I could feel it, and I, I think I probably lean more that way, but it could also come across as, oh, well, then abortion is not that big of a deal. And if you are kind of on the fence about the topic, 
or any of the number of issues that exist, it then just kind of validates that stance. Right. That you can walk away from it being like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like the Pope called, like, what are we arguing about? So I think it doesn't provide clarity. And again, we don't know what they said or it was just a standard form letter that I'm sure the you know the bishop who addressed it probably didn't write himself. Maybe did. Maybe I have no idea. But that'd be kind of a fun form letter. That's right. Even form letter <laughs> in your files. Form letter congratulating new president. You know, yeah, and send. they probably had a template too of uh, one for Trump. Hey, congratulations on the re-election. The re-election. Yeah, and then they just put that one in the trash. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people are probably more confused and or more frustrated with the bishops and priests than right. ever before. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much to this issue, and there's a couple things I'd love to talk about with this. One of the things, though, you and I have talked about this. Social media today, you know, there's this temptation, I feel, that's out there that says, you just know so much more today about people's lives than we did previously. My friend, Father Matt Book said this is, you know, there were probably a lot of like just crazy things that the popes did in like the 16th century, but no one was posting it on Facebook. And so, you know, grandma who lives in, well, 16th century, you know, your, your grandma So what, what, Devaney, what, uh, What's your heritage? Oh, that's a whole nother side story. I'm Irish and Italian. I thought I was way more Italian than that 23 right. and me. And it came back and I'm like 10%. I don't know. It's my mom would just be so bummed right now. But, yeah, but Irish and Italian. Your your relative going all the way back to the 16th or whatever, 17th century. If a Pope did something stupid, they're not in Ireland going, kind of freaking out. Right. You know, they're just living their life. And, and I feel like even even back then though, even if it was publicized it then had to be printed then shipped all the way over like it takes days if not weeks to get news yeah and things have died down so it, it's a it's a different story than on twitter that happens three seconds ago trump said this right yeah and i, th I think that's actually really important because we're just too distracted and it's easy to be outraged at what's happening with this person so this or this and there's there's kind of this idea that uh, we're perfect and what's wrong with the world and why did Pope Francis do this? Why did Bishop so-and-so do this? Why, you know, did Father Brian, I don't know. Why does he always talk about how ripped he is? Yes. You know, yes. it's hard not to. It's hard not to talk about that. Uh, I know Morgan always says, and so does Mary. She's like, when you're a priest, you just get cheap laughs. That's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Well, so anyway, I think just kind of cutting to this into this a little bit, like people people know way too much today. They know way too much about what's going on, and not not that I want to you know suppress information or something, but okay, the bishops wrote a letter. Who cares? And and I think there's a number of points about this, and what we should talk about. We should talk about so clarity in the church really is important. That is important. Uh, life isn't always clear, and we should talk about with. Joe Biden, what should the bishops do? What is it? Some people talk about excommunication. What does that mean? Why do we excommunicate people? What is that about? Um, but the other thing I said to you this today, and we, we were talking to a, a parishioner today who is a wonderful human being. But uh, 
one of the things I think that's just out there right now is people think if you're cordial to someone, to someone, you're embracing everything that they stand for. Versus on the opposite side right now, that's very popular is somebody says something that you don't agree with and they are then canceled. canceled. Yeah. So I think that's, and that's what I feel like we're so used to. It probably started with the invention of Bravo TV and Real Housewives and all this other kind of stuff. I don't stuff. know what Bravo TV is. Oh, I'm glad. I'm actually really relieved you don't. Uh, but um, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I just walked in and you were watching Real Housewives of New York one time. But um, no, I think the cancel culture has evolved into this place of I don't agree with you, therefore you're absolutely done to me. Right. Like it's over. Yeah, I mean, that's a big problem right now. And th this is the main point I kind of want to make about this is that just because you don't agree with someone, we've gone to a place somehow in our culture, we have come to a place where we don't talk to people that we disagree with. And somehow if you talk to them, you're, you, you're complicit, you're a bad guy. And I think with the bishops and Pope Francis, I don't know, I can't speak for them. But when, you, when someone wins a presidency you want to start things off on a good foot. And there are, there's a good point to be made that some of our bishops need to be more clear. And I'm always shocked. I laugh at this in our, our CIA class where people become Catholic. We're trying to come up with a better name for that. If you have a great name, um, once we have an email address, <laughs> once we come yes. into the 21st century, you should email us a new idea for our CIA. But people come in and every once in a while, there'll be someone who says, wait, the Catholic Church is is pro-life? Or something to the effect of, wait, the Catholic Church believes marriage is between one man and one woman? And I just kind of, I'm like, seriously? Seriously? <laughs> Don't tell me you didn't know this. Every person, people mischaricature the Catholic Church on all kinds of things. But I'm, if, if anyone knows anything about the Catholic Church, they know that we are pro-life we, are, we believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. And then some people know that the church believes Jesus is God. But that's kind of in third place right now. Everyone knows these kinds of things. So I don't, you know, I do wish some of the bishops came out stronger and kind of said, this is a big issue. And you, if, if you're not pro-life, you really are not a Catholic. And that's, that's absolutely true. And I don't even know if we want to get into why that's the case. I feel, well, I feel like, on the flip side of that, and we uh, maybe that's another episode where we dive into those because those were so, I was that guy. Like right. I, I didn't know a lot of that stuff when I came in and I've been very open about that. Like before years ago, I totally was like, yeah, my, my to a buddy, like encouraged this concept of an abortion because it wasn't convenient. But then when I came into the church and I started hearing some of the arguments against abortion and it was like, really? It wasn't directed at me, but just hearing it and I was internalizing it directed at me because it was always a stance of like, really, you want to rip off the limbs of unborn children? And I was like, no, nah. um, that for one 100 percent right. that never once went through my mind. But at the time, it was more I didn't know any different. I didn't have those values. But on when you are trying to understand those things and when the bishops aren't being clear, the alternative is then you are forced to go to the catechism and look up CC 1.2-749er 
and find what the church says or mm. whatever it's going to be or go read Baltazar, like any of this kind of crazy stuff where... Did I hear a niner? You did. There? there was a yeah, Tommy Boy reference right there. there uh, but on the flip side where it's like the world we live in and <laughs> going back to what you said earlier, though, like you're used to getting information now. Like I want it simple. I want to find a way to digest it. I don't want to have to go like dig into the archives of the Vatican to find out what somebody says. So it becomes even more confusing when it's not instantaneous and easy to digest. Right. And then otherwise, there's been so many conversations I've had now. Again, going back to why I wanted to start this podcast with you was I've avoided conversations because I know when you say it, it sounds so clear, like the topic of abortion or gay marriage or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But when I try to reiterate it, I just bumble all over my words and people become more confused and I have no idea what I'm saying. They have no idea what I'm saying. So then I just, it's almost easier to just not engage in those. And it, and it has, like I've gotten beat up so many times from the standpoint of I'll go meet with somebody, I get beat up, I and I have the fortune to come back and sit with you and be like, dude, he threw this at me, and then and then you'll walk me through it, and I'm getting better. But right. when you're just kind of a lukewarm, you're someone that's lukewarm in your faith, and you're not really willing to dive into that, or don't can't have the fortune of just sitting down with you, when the they're not being clear, the pope right. or the bishops, man, it just it becomes worse. Well, and for me, I would say. The church is really clear about abortion. It's unbelievably clear. And I think, and this is where I think what, this is what I want to say to people on this topic is that if, if we start saying people who disagree with us, we can't talk to them. We are part of the cancel culture. That's not Christian, right? Like what is Jesus doing? Jesus, he doesn't accept immoral behavior, but he loves people. Yeah. And he's always going out and reaching out to people. And so uh, so the bishops need to walk that line. And I, very honestly, I don't think it's that hard. But I think, you know, I don't know what the bishops said in their letter to Joe Biden. And you read it still. And I, I pulled it up. But I don't have time to read it now. But I think um, writing a letter and saying, hey, you know, congratulations. And, you know, I, I guess they said something about we're glad we have another Catholic president or something. And I can see why some people have some angst about that. But the, my analogy is like if I go to a cocktail party and there's someone there, if there there's, I don't know, there's an atheist blogger at a cocktail party, you know, if I go into that party and I say, oh, there's that a- atheist blogger, Morgan, I refuse to even speak to her. It just breaks down, it breaks down our humanity totally. and it does, it's not helpful. Like, we need to get to a place where we can say, I'm proud of what I believe in. I'm strong about it. But also, like, I can assume people's goodwill. Because, right, what's hap- one of the problems in our culture right now, we're in these silos. And if we just count off people and say, you're canceled, you're canceled, you're canceled, we weren't a v- we're just making things worse. And I think things have to start. I had a friend that made- reminded me of a story when I was um, in seminary there's this girl I went to the Holy Land with and Father Father John Nepple, we, we weren't priests yet, and Father Greg Peterson, the three of us. Uh, we went to the Holy Land and there's this girl from Minnesota. Um, Nepple thinks she had a crush on me, which is probably true. But um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave that there. Okay. But, um, but anyway, she, um, 
we became friends and we corresponded for a while afterwards. And uh, she she was from a kind of place in life where her friends basically disagree with the Catholic Church on every major social teaching the church has. And the bishop in Minnesota of St. Paul, Minneapolis, the archbishop there, he came out and was taking a strong stance on marriages should be between one person, one man and one woman. And between one person. Marriage between one person. <laughs> but he came out and said one man, one woman, which is, you know, not a surprise that the, the church stands for that. And so she was emailing me. I'm glad she did. But she didn't want a conversation. She started just calling me names. And I told her at one point, I said, look, I really am interested in talking with you about this and having an adult conversation. But at a certain point, I said, you know, if you're just going to call me names, I'm not interested. Yeah, you're not getting anywhere with that. Yeah, and I think, so I think for us as Christians, like when Pope Francis, like, okay, are you not allowed? If, if your enemy wins a big award, can you not be like, just cordial and say, congratulations that you, you know, won that award for best beard of November. <laughs> well, and I think you and I were talking about that earlier with, and it just totally resonated with me from the standpoint of like, we can come out the gates and cancel somebody and just say, they don't know, like the Pope doesn't know what he's talking about or the bishops don't, or they're, <laughs> let's just cancel them. Um, but on the flip side, going in and just saying like, Hey, welcome to, you know, Biden, welcome to the office if you are elected, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then opening the door for that conversation three or four months from now. And we and we have no idea where that's going to lead. But from a hopeful, like, romantic side would be three or four months from now, like, now the door is open for Biden to answer the Pope's phone call. And the Pope can say, hey, let's, let's talk about some of these topics that seem to be of confusion. <laughs> like, yeah. Other, but otherwise, on the flip side, that you're you're basically just eliminating that option from the beginning. Yeah, and don't you love people? I love people who assume your goodwill and who might disagree with you, but they really listen. Most of us, I think, what most of us do. So whenever I'm talking to someone and it might get contentious, we might disagree. The natural temptation. I think I've gotten better at this, but it it just kind of depends on where I'm at that day and who I'm talking to. But I think what we all do is you're talking and I disagree with you and I, I don't actually listen to you. Totally. I just think about what I'm going to say next to completely destroy you. And excuse me, I just burped. Sorry. <laughs> Priest burp too. But uh, if we do that, we, we lose the ability to actually have a real conversation. Right. And it takes a mature person. I think we have to, to let go of some of our fears and you know, there's certain topics where we're pretty, you know, we're, we're pretty intensely kind of entrenched in our position, like an abortion is one of them. And that's, there's very good reason for that. Uh, I'm, I'm so tired. And we, and what happens though is because we can't dialogue with people. We live in the culture of one liners. And so we have slogans. We don't have discussions. Mm -hmm. And so you know, the, I think I, you know, I am where I'm at. And so I, I tend to think that pro-abortion advocates, and, and I think the best thing you can do is someone who believes that abortion is a good thing, or a lot of people say, I don't believe abortion is a good thing, but they'll say it's a necessary evil and it's complex. And I think the best thing we should do with those people is assume they have good intentions. 
right? Assume they have good intentions. And I try to do that. If I'm talking to someone who's pro-abortion and Joe Biden is a very pro-abortion person and that's clearly at odds with Catholic teaching. But when I meet someone who is pro-abortion, the, the first thing I think is, how can I see the good? You know, what, what's the good thing they're trying to do? And usually what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to help a young woman usually in, in their minds, I think, who is facing a difficult situation, probably is not supported by the, the man in that relationship. Her parents might be putting pressure on her, her friends, she's scared, doesn't feel like she has a lot of options. And I think people who are pro-abortion are saying, how can you not care about that girl? And if you think of it that way, it can soften your heart a little bit to say, hey, wow, that, you know, there, there's something good there. You know, and the, and the Catholic response, of course, do you know, what's, what would you say to that? Do you not care about the baby? Yeah. I mean, hopefully in a nicer way than that. <laughs> Jerk. Hence why I lose all my debates yeah. and friends. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, think, I think one way to say it at least would be to say killing your baby isn't actually going to help you. And, and we need to do a better job in the, the abortion thing of putting our money where our mouth is at. But a lot of people do. I, I always say the best argument for the pro-life cause, have you ever seen those cars? I haven't seen one in a while, but I remember seeing these cars and people would write on their windows and they would say, if you are in danger of having an abortion and you need help, here is my cell phone number. Call me. I will take care of you. Never seen it. That's and, awesome. Isn't that beautiful? And that's... Yeah. That's, I think, where we need to go as a, a community of Christians is to say, I do think the majority of abortions, and I don't know, I will probably get emails about this once we have an email address. I, th I, am, I like to think the, uh, the majority of abortions are kind of that situation. I know there are others, uh, but how do we help those girls? How do, we, how do we take the high road and how do we say it's easy to just fight and condemn people and abortion is wrong, we have to stand on that ground, but then say, but whenever you just attack someone, they go into def defensive mode, immediately defensive mode. And you're, you're never going to win that person over. And the, I think what we want to do as Catholics is we don't want to just win the argument. We want to win the person. We want to win the person. And, and so, you know, with the president, if Joe Biden is our president, uh, which is likely, uh, if he's a president, there's a there's another layer to this, right? Where we want to win him over, but also he has authority to do some really really bad things. And if we can't win him over, uh, it matters that like you know he has promised to reverse the Hyde Amendment. Do you know what that is? No. The Hyde Amendment uh, is a used to be a bipartisan thing, where it said we're not going to have taxpayers' money go towards abortions. Because it's such a controversial thing and half of our country thinks it's murder. Uh, so we shouldn't have money going to that from taxpayers. That used to be bipartisan. Joe Biden, was support, he supported that. Now he's, I think, from pressure from the left, he's kind of said, well, I'll, I'll reverse that if I become president. And it looks like he's just kind of blowing with the wind. But uh, that's where it's like, I would love to win Joe Biden. But at the end of the day, if he reverses that, I don't want tens of millions, I don't know how much money, but like tens of millions of dollars from the government to go to fund the killing of innocent human life. Like, I feel like I've got way off topic. 
Well, how would you, okay, so if Joe Biden came to Denver and said, I wanted to meet with Father Brian. Um, I heard he's got a thriving parish here in Denver, and I want to attend Mass there, and not out of the realm of possibilities. I don't know if he'd insist with meeting the Archbishop, but if he came and sat here and you had an opportunity to sit down with him, how, what would your stance be? Would it be the, uh, no, I don't want to meet with him? Would it be, I'll meet with him and, hey, I'm so excited to meet you. Can I take your photo? Or would you take a different approach right. to kind of address, you know, address some of these concerns? Yeah, and I think that this gets to the question of the, the more difficult question. I think that all of us as Christians, and just and even if you're not a Christian, if you're listening today, you know, and Patrick Deveni said, hey, you got to listen to this. All of us as, as human beings, we're just going to be better off we're gonna be better people if we assume people's good intentions, right? And we say, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna have a conversation with anybody, and I'm gonna try not to be defensive. I'm gonna try to just be honest." There is a line, though. You know, how far does that go? And I think that's the question. I, I used to say to people, like, "There's a, have you heard of this book, The Benedict Option?" No. Don't you love it when I bring up books? That's right. So the Benedict Option says this, and it's, <clears throat> I actually haven't read the book, but it's referring to the last line of a very famous book called After Virtue. But we don't need to get into all that. Uh, what it's getting at is that, so if, let's say, so you and Steph, you guys don't have any kids yet, but let's say uh, 20 years from now, you have three teenage girls. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Right? Be I would love it, but ah, oh. okay, yes. Right, and so you live in this neighborhood, and next door to you, you've got a family that doesn't think that there's any such thing as sexual morality, and they've got three teenage boys that are roughly the same age as your daughters, mm -hmm. and you know these people next door to you, they don't believe that there is such a thing as immorality when it comes to sexual things. Right. So... The question and becomes, how long do you talk to your neighbor and say, you know, let's say one of your one of your daughters is is walking up front and the neighbor's son catcalls at your daughter, mm -hmm. right? And right, I I want to know how you would react to this, but let's say they do that, and I think that the the question that you're getting at with Biden is similar to this on some level. Mm -hmm. Is my natural instinct would be like. You know what? Let's go. I'm gonna go talk to the the dad next door, and I'm gonna let's have a beer. Let's get to know each other a little bit, and let's see if we can build a relationship. And maybe over time, I can convince him, you know, to kind of see some of these things that, you know, sexual morality is a real thing, and this makes my daughters uncomfortable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the Benedict Option question is: How long do you go for that? And when's the line where you say? Hey, keep your sons away from my daughters. And if I see your sons doing this to my girls, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> well, <clears throat> it's hard to answer that after you answered how you would approach it. Oh, uh, I naturally, and this is the difference between you and me, uh, I would build a wall mm, separating good... my property and theirs. Right. Giant wall. Girls can never go over there. And I would accidentally find a way to have a brick land close, if not really close to the 
the boy that said it, that cat called, and that would happen as soon as he cat called. Yeah. I naturally, naturally, the blood, the blood's boiling. Like I'm, I'm really pissed. Yeah. See, this is why you're not the Pope. That's that's right. <laughs> I meant right. That. right. Yes. But this is the question, and so I think any of the question with Biden is, and with with a lot of these questions, I think that we should have a high threshold to say we're going to do our best to win people over. And, and the best way to do that, I, I just think, you know, I, I always say, if you want to have a discussion with someone, it, you, it doesn't go very well if you start by telling them what they're wrong about. It just doesn't go well. And so that's with the bishops going back to that and with Biden and Pope Francis and the bishops of the United States, if you start a relationship and you say, Hey Patrick, it's great to see you. Um, I hate your haircut. And by the way, you screwed up four things last week. The, you know, maybe there's a time and a place for that. But if you, if you want to win people over, it, it helps a lot to just build a little bit of a relationship. Dude, I, I literally just got a haircut. Was, and you just aired out my hairs of last week. Uh, <laughs> no, it's actually a really interesting point because all of that seems so obvious to me until you use that example. And right away, I'm ready to cancel the neighbor. Right. When it comes to something that personal to me, I'm ready to just say, girls, you're never going over there and I will never look at them. I don't respect them. I don't blah, blah, blah. But that gets us nowhere. Right. And so, so with Biden though, so, it's, <sighs> so let's come back to this. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a good question for our culture. And at Lord's, you know, it's, how how do we walk that fine line of we believe certain things are good and true and they're worth defending but also we we want to engage we don't want to become just a ghetto where we we cut ourselves off from the rest of the world and that's a fine line to walk the president is a little bit more complex and and the reason for that is that is what you brought up earlier is the question of the clarity of the church's teaching and so the church traditionally would say if you're a public figure, it's a more serious thing. And the reason is because it can confuse people. And I'm going to grab my Bible as we're looking at this, but in 1 Corinthians 5, I'm just going to make sure I'm right on that reference. Um, but Paul talks about excommunication in the New Testament. And what this is about, you can't just excommunicate someone. Excommunication out of communion. Ex is a Latin in Greek. Um, preposition, and it means outside. And the, and this is important. The only person who can put you, if you've been baptized into Jesus Christ and you have communion with him and with the church because of him, because the church is the communion of all those in Christ who have communion with him, and so hence with each other, the, I can't just say, hey, you're excommunicated. I don't have that power. The only person who can put you out of communion with Christ and hence with the church is you. Mm. That's an, that's an important thing to say is that no one can do that uh, to you. You can only do that to yourself. And what the, what the church does, uh, I need to get this passage wrong. Um, but what the church does is the church only recognizes that and it does it for the good um of the person who's fallen away. Well, <clears throat> I feel like what's tough about that, and just as you're saying this, it's 
resonating with me because it's as you're trying to explain, justify, and evangelize your faith, it becomes an issue where it'd be so much easier when I walk into an argument and they're like, yeah, well, your Pope said this, or your, your president who's Catholic said this. Mm -hmm. And it'd be so much easier for me to, to your point, win the argument by saying, yeah, but they've been excommunicated. Right. Like, so just give me that wild card in my back pocket to just say, yeah, no, this is very clear what we say and we don't mess around with that. And until then, it's a lot harder to explain it the way you are um, and trying to win the bigger, you know, the war, not the battle. Right. No, and that's right. And I think so it is clear if you have if the church says that. So here's I found the passage here. It is First Corinthians five. I was right. Nice. All along. I was hoping you were. Yeah. So First Corinthians five, St. Paul says this. And this is chapter five, verse one. He says it is actually reported there. It is that there is immorality now. You know what the word for immorality is in the New Testament? Don't you love when I ask you to name a word in Greek? Gosh, absolutely not. So the word for sexual immorality, and usually when you see the word just immoral or immorality in the New Testament, it's almost always this word, and the word is porneia. Oh, can you, oh, I just, did my mic cut out? I just, I literally just said that. That's weird. Okay, go ahead. Can you hear now? No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Hey, Smokey, Smokey. <laughs> yeah, so, so the, um, the word is porneia, and so pornea is that Greek word that, so we get the word pornography. Graphe in Greek is to write. So um, it's like graphic images of sexual immorality is pornography. Wow. Um, but pornea, so this is what Paul's talking about. He says it is reported that there is pornea among you. So sexual immorality. And of a kind that is not found even among pagans for a man is living with his father's wife. Right, so what happens is you, you have a you have a, a man who's having an affair with his mother-in-law. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's, don't nope. do that. Mm-mm. I would highly recommend Mm-mm. against that. <laughs> nope. Um, as Paul goes down so a little bit further on, he says a few things, but he says in verse 5, he says, you are to deliver this man, this is really strong language, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. It's like, ooh. Wow. That's harsh. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever say that. <laughs> that would be an interesting, that'd be a massive turn and say, you are to deliver this person to, to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. But he goes on, um, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so with, with, with president elect or presumptive, I've been told that's the correct way to say it. Presumptive president elect Biden with it, with uh, there's two things that happen with excommunication. And that's what Paul is going to go on to talk about in 1 Corinthians 5, is that two things happen with that. The first thing is you're you're telling someone this is actually serious. And so Paul says, cast him out, deliver him over to Satan so he can be saved. Right? So, like some Most of the time, I think most of us just need to be told, hey, I love you. It's going to be okay. And I'm going to encourage you to overcome your sin. And most of the time, I think most of us need that. Every once in a while, something's serious enough. They, you've got to tell someone, hey, brother, you are having an affair with your mother-in-law. <laughs> right? Better shape up or ship shape out. Shape up or ship out. And you got to, you got to put them in their place. And then, yeah. and that's for their good. And then the second thing it does is what we talked about earlier. And this is clarity with, that you brought up is that 
it can confuse the lay faithful. So if President Biden came into Lords, I mean, I would talk to the bishop, blah, 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 blah. But all caveats aside, that he can't receive communion in the Catholic Church because he has publicly advocated for a very, very serious, immoral thing and publicly supports the killing of innocent human life. That is directly opposed to the gospel. And so we need to say, you know, hey, because we love you, Joe Biden, we love you. We love everyone. We love you. We love you enough to tell you that this is a really serious thing. And it's so serious that you need a wake-up call. And so the the not receiving the Eucharist, right, is a symbol of, right, you're not in communion with the church. And this is going to create clarity for the rest of the church to say, hey, yeah, you can't, you cannot advocate for abortion and be a, a faithful and a Catholic and communion with the church. And also, hey, we love you. Brother, if you fear the pressure you're getting from pro-abortion people, don't fear them, fear God. Right. So I guess the way to look at it is a phone call from the Pope is not the same as communion from the Pope. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah. And we all could wish, you know, the Pope did this or that or the other thing. No one's perfect. But but also, like, we need to give him our respect and deference. Totally. Pope Francis, hey, you know, and, and, and I just think it, it, we're not required to be jerks to people who disagree with us. I actually think that's contrary to the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus, uh, he even, like, with Pilate, right, with Pontius Pilate, who's going to order for him to be crucified, you know, in, in John... Uh, 18, right? Jesus is going to talk about how you actually have authority. He says, you know, um, it, it would be a greater sin. It would not, how does he say it? I'm bumbling this up, but um, there is authority given to him and he had been handed over by the Jews and he has real authority. And I think as Catholics, we don't just kind of cut everyone off. We, we try to enter dialogue. I think there's an ultimate place where that has to happen. But yeah, writing a letter to, to President Biden, I think it's a, it's a start off at saying, hey, let's start off on the right foot. We're going to do battle because you're advocating for things that you should never advocate for as a Catholic. But we should, people that we disagree with, it's never a good kind of starting point to say, I'm going to start by telling you that you, you're, you suck. You're terrible. And here's 10 reasons why I wrote them all last week. So instead of a final judgment and canceling them, it's more of a TBD. Let's see how this plays out. Yeah. Great. We sent the letter. There it is. Now it's okay. Hopefully we'll get to a place where conversations can actually be had. Right. And that's, I just think that's the best way to do things in general in life. Right. You know, it's um, it's kind of like in the catechism and in RCIA, which follows the catechism. Both pain points for me, but yes. But but Christianity doesn't begin with the law. Right. Now, now Joe Biden should know better, but but again, and this was focuses when I was a focus missionary. This is the great insight in focus. Focus's great insight was people don't generally convert because you made a great point that that can help. And at a certain point that becomes really important, but generally people come into the church because they meet someone they love and they, they're like, wow, that person's compelling. They build a relationship with someone. 
And once you do that, you're a little more open. Um, so I think, I think that's the general principle. There are caveats with a government official, right? Because now we're not just talking about a person who disagrees with me. We're talking about a person who is going to pay for millions of abortions to happen. Right. And that's, that does change the game a little bit, but I still think that generally just being kind to that person is still what we should do. Okay, well, thanks for answering that one. All right. Nicely done. Well, no, I think I think it's a, a great point. I appreciate it, though, because it is, it is tough when we're in such a polarized world right now on both sides that, gosh, it would just be so much easier if I had something distinctly and like so direct to point to and just say this is where it is this is where we stand and it's it's not people don't like live living in gray they want to be black and white they absolutely do so not having those boundaries laid out immediately especially you know if you are passionate about uh some of the things in the election and biden versus trump and all that stuff i mean you're coming off a quote unquote and again we'll see where it goes but as of right now if it's a loss and you're you're just trying to justify and wrap your head around things and you're trying to want validation and and what you voted for and all that kind of stuff but it's not about the battle it's about the war yeah and, i think that's a good point and looking at you know life's another another one i've always heard but life's not a sprint it's a it's a marathon, marathon. and so being in for the long haul so unfortunately it's not those quick and easy answers right that hopefully god's this points back to what we talked about last time but God always has a bigger plan. So at some point you have to just rest on that. Okay, this did not work out the way I wanted to. I do not want the bishops writing this letter. I do not want Pope calling Biden, any of that kind of stuff. But And, and the church's teaching control. is clear, right? I mean, that's important to say. Right. Like, the church's teaching is very clear. Like, And Pope Francis, by the way, has stood up for this over and over and over and over again. And he's very clear that he is very pro-life. As he, Of course he is. He is, he is the Pope. Right. And that, that's a really important point. And I think we have to remember that. Like the the way that we kind of win the pro-life victory, there can be disagreement about how do we, what's the best strategy. But all of us agree together. We are we, we stand up for an end to abortion. And and that that's a really important thing uh, to clarify that the church's teaching is in, in no way unclear on this. But how do we, how do we win that battle? Good Catholics can disagree about that. But I, me personally, I just don't, I don't think it's ever a winning strategy to just always be attacking, but it's to assume goodwill and then stand up for our principles. And we say, Hey, you know, we beat a dead horse. I think though. Yeah. I, something you said right there though. And I don't know if it's necessarily our next episode, but something I'd love to talk about that I've been able to talk to you about though, is you kind of hear it right now in the election of like, okay, well, even if Biden wins, we have the Senate or the house or whatever it's going to be. So, his power can only go so far. Right. And then correct me if I'm wrong and possibly more of a cliffhanger, but is the church structured the same way? Like the number one thing that always comes up for me is always like, well, your Pope said this and the Pope is your living Christ and the end all be all. And I think you opened me up to a lot of things. I, I, I definitely did not know, but when the Pope does say something around the coffee table, not a church doctrine, um, how does that actually play into it versus what's really happening when, when we say the church says this? Does the church equal the Pope? 
I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, I think that's another episode. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Yes, we're hitting dun, our time dun, point. Dun. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hope this is helpful. Uh, we'll keep the dialogue going, and uh, we'll see you next time on Gregorian Rant.